And happy Easter. We're going to say that a lot today because it's weird if you say it on any other day. This is the day we get to say it, but we get to celebrate it every day. And today is kind of like the Super Bowl party for the greatest victory in human history. You know, the Bible calls Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. It says that he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside his father's throne. That is a champion, right? He defeated an enemy that nobody else could defeat, and now he sits in the place of victory, and he has sent his spirit to minister to each one of us, call us home. He's going to return someday and finish off what he started at the resurrection. He said that was the first. That was the beginning of him restoring all things, and that's why we celebrate Jesus as our champion. If you're not familiar with the story, it's really the story of humanity. It's the story that the Bible tells. It's the story that God created each and every one of us. He created you. He created me. He designed us. He wanted children just like me and you. Isn't that an amazing thing? He wanted you. If nobody else does, God did. He wanted you. He created you. And he created all these good things for you. He created the world to be good. We see the beauty of people and of the world around us. And yet that beauty is often broken. And the Bible also tells us the story of human sin, that because God gave us a choice to either love him and love people or not, we all, 100% of us, stand guilty of not always loving God and loving the people around us. Am I right? It's okay. I know this is the one downer moment of Easter Sunday. We all have, at some point or another, neglected or, or damaged relationship with God or with people, usually both, and the Bible calls that sin. We call it selfishness, and uh, I don't know about where you live, but in my home, when people are selfish, there are consequences. I found that there's consequences when I'm selfish in my relationships with people, and the same is true with God. The problem is, the consequence is always a little bit of separation in a relationship, and when we become separated from God, we are separated from the source of life, the giver of life, and we don't have the ability to sustain our lives on our own, do we? We need God to sustain our lives. So sin created a problem that we could not solve, and the clock began ticking until our time runs out. But here's the good part of the story. Because God created us and because he loves us, even though we sinned against him and against each other, he sent Jesus to restore us. And Jesus came from heaven to live life as a human being with all of our limitations, our struggles, our temptations, our pains. And yet we, the Bible tells us and history tells us that Jesus never gave in to the selfishness that we so often do. And yet at the end of his life, though he lived it perfectly, he gave his life on the cross to pay the penalty, the consequences, to take a consequence for our sins so that our consequences could be removed. It was the worst moment in all of human history, but it was followed shortly by the greatest moment because Jesus, a sinless man and the son of God, could not be defeated by the things that defeated us. He could not be defeated even by all of our sin put together. He couldn't be defeated by all the power of the devil that was given to him when we sinned against God. He could not be defeated by death itself. And so Jesus rose from the dead and say, I said, I told you so. And he said, and I'm going to do this for you too if you will put your trust in me. And that's what we're celebrating here today. The fact that God created us, sin broke us, and Jesus came to restore us. And at the same time, I sometimes, I don't know about you, but in my daily life, it's really hard for me to live in light of those big realities. You know, I'm not usually walking through my day thinking, man, everything's great because Jesus rose from the dead. 
Everything's just fine because Jesus rose from the dead. No, usually I'm trying to rise from bed and survive the day. Right, like I'm trying to, to think through how do I make it through the day and, and take care of everything on my to-do list and get my job done and take care of my kids and hopefully make my wife happy and not mad at me. Luckily, she's a pretty happy person, so I, get, I got it easier than most. But, but you know, I, I walk through life with all of the different things and then things happen, right? Cars break down and, and bodies break down and bills start stacking up and all those things. And in the, the midst of real life, sometimes... It doesn't feel like Easter, does it? In fact, most of the time, it doesn't feel like Easter. Most of the time, it doesn't feel like those disciples must have felt like after they experienced the resurrected Jesus. The Bible tells us that 500 of his followers saw him resurrected. I wish I could have been one of those, but I wasn't. And so sometimes things like salvation and heaven and even a resurrected Jesus are really hard for us to connect with our day-to-day lives, aren't they? And maybe even more so, things like sin and hell and, and judgment and all those things are, are sometimes hard to connect with our day-to-day lives. And the Bible says that that's a pretty common condition for humanity, that we kind of go through life and, and we often miss out on some of the biggest realities around us. We get so caught up in the circumstances right in front of us that we don't realize how much damage sin actually does to us, whether it's our sin or the sin of people around us. We don't, we don't realize it's like a pollution that just soaks into us and, and poisons us. We don't realize how much damage sin does to us, and we don't realize how much good God has in store for us. When we're struggling through life, we sometimes miss out on all the good things that God has in store for us both now and in eternity. And so the Bible says that we have this issue where we can't really see our greatest needs most of the time, nor can we see the greatest opportunities in front of us. The Bible says that we are spiritually blind. We see what's right in front of us. We see what our immediate senses can can incorporate, but we don't see much more than that. And I wanna read you a story um, from Scripture that reminds us that the resurrection was a lot more than about eternity. And I say that, I say that carefully because eternity is a big deal, right? Where you spend eternity is a big deal. Spending eternity in God's blessing rather than paying the consequences that Jesus took on the cross already, that's a big deal. But sometimes we need to see that same resurrection power in our lives today. And I believe that Jesus went to the cross and rose from the dead, not just for what happens to you after you die, But for every day that you live, every breath that you breathe, Jesus has something good in store for you. I want to take you to Mark chapter 10. If you want to follow along in your Bibles, you can read along on the screen. Mark chapter 10, we are basically the day before Palm Sunday, the day before Jesus rode into into Jerusalem. It was the last week of Jesus' life. Jesus knows that he has less than a week before he's put on the cross and suffers all of the physical and spiritual consequences of human sin. He also knows that it's the only path towards our salvation, towards his glory and his father's glory, and towards the restoration of the world. But the day before Jesus rides into Jerusalem, he's on his way there through Jericho, and we, we pick up in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. It says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. 
And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, cheer up. They said, come on, he's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. Isn't that just a classic Jesus story? Those are the stories that Jesus is famous for right there. All through the New Testament, we see stories of both Jesus and then after Jesus returned to the Father, his spirit, uh, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, all these kind of situational moments where Jesus defeats the things that humanity can't defeat. The devil represented by these demons, death, and sickness and disease, Jesus defeats those things easily with the, the, just a, the, the speaking of a word or two. He solves the problem. What I want to, you to notice, though, is how Bartimaeus calls out to Jesus. Bartimaeus is this guy that has lived his life on the side of a road because he doesn't have basic human abilities that would make him an important part of society in that day. In fact, Bartimaeus really is just son of Timaeus. Barnabas didn't even really have a name. He didn't have a community. He didn't have, he was just known as the son of Timaeus who was the blind guy laying on the side of the road. But when he heard Jesus's name, he had an idea of who Jesus was. We find this in the title that he calls Jesus by twice. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. And son of David is, is not a title that means a lot to the average uh, American Christian these days, but son of David meant a lot to the Jews in Bartimaeus' day. See, the Jews have been told throughout their history that God, from the moment that sin entered the world, from the moment that Adam and Eve listened to the devil disguised as a serpent and committed the first sin, God promised that he was going to send someone to reverse the effects of sin in the world, to reverse the darkest things that happened to humanity. He was going to send someone to rescue us. And over the course of time, the Jewish people kind of stewarded that promise, and God added to that promise prophecies and predictions over hundreds of years that the Jewish people were still waiting for this leader to come. But one of the parts of those prophecies was that leader would come from the line of King David, the greatest king in Israel's history. And this title, Son of David, became an important identifier for the people of Israel to think about the Messiah because David was a conquering king. David was actually the only king in Israel's history who was never defeated in any way, shape, or form. He was the great king of Israel. He was a man after God's heart, and he was known to conquer enemies who were more powerful than him. His signature win was against a giant roughly twice his size. David was the champion of Israel's history, and they longed for a champion like that again. Because though Israel still needed, like all of us, salvation from our sin, they also had some real practical needs they needed salvation from. 
Because Israel had wandered from God, they had become oppressed by nation after nation in this season of history, oppressed by the Romans, and they longed for rescue from this evil, oppressive nation that ruled their country. And so they'd latched on to this title of son of David, of the Messiah is going to come and he's going to conquer our enemies. Now for many of them, they really just wanted him to conquer the Romans. They weren't as worried about the sin issue anymore. Just kind of like a lot of us. I mean, living in the real world, you think about the problems right in front of you. And I don't think that that bothers Jesus too much. It didn't bother him with Bartimaeus, who kind of focused on the problem right in front of him. Bartimaeus calls out to Jesus to be a son of David, to be a champion in battle. And have you ever, you know, as kids, we want to be the champion. You want to be the superhero. You want to grow up and be the professional athlete, or you want to grow up and be the, the war hero or the, the, the heroes of the stories that we hear about. But as we get older in life, we realize that, gosh, I, I don't think I'm going to be the hero. I'm lucky if I'm a survivor. In fact, I might need a hero to step in for me. But have you, ever, have you ever played on a sports team or been on any kind of a team where there was this MVP, there was this champion who when they would step in, everything would get better? I mean, it happens in every vein of life. It can be, you know, everything's going wrong at work, but when the right manager shows up, everything's just going to be okay. It's going to get sorted out. And if the wrong one shows up, you're like, oh boy, Right? Maybe you, you played on sports teams growing up where what you had certain athletes on your team that when they stepped on the field, you felt like no matter how big the deficit, you had a chance to win the game. Or maybe you played against a couple athletes that when they stepped on the field, you knew no matter how big your lead was, there was no guarantee you were going to win, right? When a champion steps onto the field, they tilt the whole situation, when a champion steps in, they change the game in favor of their team. And that's what that son of David was. I was reminded this week of, as a kid, uh, my dad was a teacher, and so he ran these summer camps for our school uh, growing up, which meant that I got to go to summer camp every week of the summer, which as a kid I thought was awesome. And I would go to summer camp and I would do the same things. It was like the same five-day program week after week. So I figured out which things to show up in line first for and which things to avoid. I knew when the snack shack was going to be open. And uh, I knew what my favorite events were. And my favorite thing every week was the dodgeball tournament. My dad would put together a dodgeball tournament for all the kids. And I loved dodgeball. I mean, is there a better feeling in the world than just to, than to get to just fully unload a foam ball as hard as you can at someone who's unsuspecting, it doesn't get any better than that. And here you see why I need Jesus in my life. And I just, I loved dodgeball. And so I would kind of strategize during the week, like who did I want on my team and how would I kind of get my dodgeball team together? I wanted to be the champion of the dodgeball tournament. There was just one problem though. My dad, who wanted to try to make it all fair, when he noticed a team that was outmatched, he would unsuspectingly jump in on behalf of the overmatched team and start throwing foam dodgeballs at a velocity I could only dream of. And it was almost a weekly experience for me where I would be just, I'd have some unsuspecting elementary school girl in my sights about to knock her out of the game when a foam ball that I didn't know could hurt as much as it did 
would hit me right in the face and I would be out. And when I looked up, who was it but my dad, who for whatever reason was always smiling. Now as a dad, I get it, right? I hated that. I wanted to decimate those other teams. But there were a couple times when I was outmatched and I was watching my team get picked off around me and I was thinking, oh man, my time's coming. And when my dad would jump in on my team, maybe it was just me and him left, but I knew we were going to win. And isn't that a great feeling when you have the MVP on your side, when you have a champion step in to the game on your behalf, you move from being hopeless, from being a victim, from your best goal being a survivor to suddenly you have victory in your sights. You are full of hope. You are full of anticipation. And we live differently when we live with hope and anticipation, don't we? And do you know Bartimaeus laid on the side of that road for probably years, maybe his whole life, without much to hope for. But when he heard Jesus walking by, he'd heard the stories. This was towards the end of Jesus' ministry. He knew what Jesus was capable of. And suddenly a champion had stepped onto the field and he had hope for a victory. So he called out using a champion's title. He called out, son of David, have mercy on me. Join my team. Join my cause. Help me. And here's the craziest thing about Jesus. When you call out to Jesus, he always listens. He always listens. Now, sometimes he's a little unpredictable in the how of the answer. But in a crowd that was telling Bartimaeus to shut up, like everyone else that he had seen over the course of his life, Jesus stopped in the midst of a crowd. He did this a couple times in his ministry. He drove his disciples crazy. He's just like, wait, I hear a voice. And so I was like, yes, Jesus, you're in a crowd. They're cheering your name. He's like, no, 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 no. Actually, I, is that my son Bartimaeus? Is that my friend Bart Bartimaeus? Is that you over there? Hey, have him come here. And the crowd's like, why did he pick him? But Bartimaeus came to Jesus, and Bartimaeus' cry for hope was answered with a personal invitation to Jesus' side. That's what Jesus always does. When you cry out to him, he says, come closer. Let's have a conversation. And then he asks Bartimaeus this amazing question. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Do you think it's because Jesus doesn't know what Bartimaeus needs? Is it because Bartimaeus, or is it because Jesus doesn't know that Bartimaeus is physically blind? Is it because Jesus doesn't know that one of the people he's gonna die on the cross for is Bartimaeus and Bartimaeus has some deep spiritual needs that he needs Jesus for? Jesus isn't testing Bartimaeus' knowledge of his brokenness. He's testing something else. But Bartimaeus, like us, though his ultimate problem was sin, the evidence of brokenness in our lives comes in so many other forms. Again, sometimes we feel the results of our own sin. Sometimes the brokenness we feel is the results of other sin or, or just the overarching condition of this world. But we feel the tangible effects of sin a lot often before we feel the deep spiritual impact of sin. And it's out of the tangible effects of brokenness in this world that Bartimaeus answers Jesus. He just says, Jesus, I want to see. 
I want my body to do what God created it to do. I want my body to do what it's never been able to do. Jesus, I want to see, and I believe that you're the champion who can help me. And here's the cool thing. Jesus responds. He doesn't, he, Jesus isn't like, give me a minute to pray about this. Jesus isn't like, let me huddle up with my disciples. We'll talk about it, and I'll get back to you. Jesus doesn't ask him to submit all the proper paperwork. He doesn't say, hey, can you pray the perfect prayer? Hey, Bartimaeus, have you, have you made it to synagogue every week for the last year? No, Jesus sees something in Bartimaeus that is enough for him. And he says to Bartimaeus, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. This is an amazing statement, and it's a statement that only Jesus is qualified to say. And Jesus does say it a number of times throughout his ministry. He says, your faith has healed you. It's amazing for two reasons. The first reason is because of what Jesus did in his life and his death, all it takes for you to be restored is trust in Jesus. Now, trust is a hard thing in a broken world, but trust is a lot easier than perfection. You don't have to be perfect because Jesus was perfect for you. You don't have to die to make up for your sins because Jesus died for you. So Jesus says, will you just trust me? Will you stop running from me? I lived for you, I died for you. What is it gonna take here? And for Bartimaeus, all it took was him hearing the stories of what Jesus had done in other people's lives to put his trust in Jesus and Jesus said, that's enough. Your faith has healed you. But the second thing that's amazing about that statement is that word healed is in the Greek, it's the same word for healed as it is for saved. It's a term that can be applied physically and in this context, because it's a physical condition, it's translated healed. But in other contexts where Jesus is addressing sin and the spiritual condition, it's translated saved. That Jesus says, your faith is enough for me to work in your life today and it's enough for me to work in your life in eternity. You trusting me is enough for me to begin resurrecting your broken body now and I will resurrect you in eternity. It's our trust that releases Jesus to do what he died and rose from the dead to do in our lives today and in eternity. And so what's the result? It says instantly the man could see. Now Jesus doesn't always do his miracles instantly, but it's sure nice when he does. And in Bartimaeus' case, Instantly he could see, but something else happened too. He couldn't see, and Jesus even said, go. But what did Bartimaeus, his first action after this miracle is to disobey Jesus. He doesn't go, he follows. It says he follows Jesus down the road. He follows Jesus along the way. His sight was restored and so was his soul. So he gave himself to Jesus, he followed Jesus, and think about where that road was going to take him. In the first week of his life having vision, he was going to see Jesus celebrated as a king riding into Jerusalem. A king that had a personal conversation with him that stopped in a crowd to meet his needs. He was going to see Jesus falsely accused by the spiritual leaders of the community at that day. He was going to see Jesus tortured he was going to see Jesus hung on the cross. He was going to wonder, Jesus, why don't you defend yourself? Why are you letting them do this to you? His first week of having vision was going to be pretty traumatizing, actually. But do you know what I wonder, too? Was he also among the 500 followers that saw the resurrected Jesus before Jesus ascended to heaven? 
Jesus was going to put Bartimaeus' eyes to good use. Instantly he was healed and he followed Jesus. These are the things that Jesus does. He shows up sometimes unexpectedly. He shows up and he calls us to himself and he says, hey, what do you want me to do for you? And I believe that that is the question that he's asking you today. Think about Bartimaeus. He knew that Bartimaeus' biggest issue was not blindness, but he also knew why Bartimaeus couldn't see anything else, couldn't express anything else. He, Bartimaeus could not see Jesus, but Jesus could see Bartimaeus inside and out. And do you know that Jesus can see you inside and out even if you can't see him? He can see your external needs and your internal needs even if you can't see him, and he has compassion for both. If you question his compassion, remember that he went to the cross for you, just like he did for Bartimaeus. And so Jesus is always calling us to himself, just like he called Bartimaeus. He's saying, hey, why don't you come closer? I have a question for you. And he asks us the same question today that he asked Bartimaeus. He says, what is it that you want me to do for you? Can you imagine Jesus asking you that question? And when you hear that question, how do you respond? Do you respond believing that Jesus could be the champion that you need? Do you believe that Jesus could love you that much? If you question it, look at the cross because he went to the cross for you and I. For Bartimaeus, his sin was made real through his struggle to see. We all often experience the effects of sin first through the struggles in our lives. And Jesus does not mind us bringing those things to him first. He wants it all, but he wants to know what's burning in your heart today. And so just as Jesus was real in Bartimaeus' life, he wants to be real in our lives today. And I want to take a moment to take that invitation seriously. I'm going to ask the band to come back, and they're going to play some music for us. And I want to ask you to reach into the seat back in front of you or behind you if you're in one of the front rows and pull out a response card. It looks like this. And here's the thing, I don't have time to go around with a microphone and ask each one of you, what do you want Jesus to do for you today? And it'd probably be weird if I did that. But I do believe that Jesus is asking each one of you that. And I think that just like he took Bartimaeus' simple request, Jesus, I want to see. I mean, Jesus could have been like, Bartimaeus, I'm Jesus, you can't come up with something better than that? How about world peace? Come on, Bartimaeus, can you be a little less selfish? All you want is for you to see? What about all the other beggars over here? You don't want... No, Jesus takes our needs. He t- takes our felt needs seriously. He takes your pain seriously. And he experienced more pain than you and I ever will so that we could avoid a whole lot worse pain than what, anything that we feel right now. So on this card, it says, what do you want me to do for you? And I would invite you to grab a pen from that same place you grabbed the card and to take Jesus seriously. Show him the same kind of faith Bartimaeus did just to give him an answer. Just to give him an answer. So every adult in this room, I want you to grab one of these cards. I want you to think about what is it? If I could ask Jesus for anything, maybe it's a little bit of, maybe it's a hard thing for you. Maybe it's a little bit of a wish. You know, maybe you're sitting next to someone and it's, you're like, it's awkward for me to respond to Jesus because they know me. 
Who cares about everybody else? Bartimaeus did it in front of a crowd that had already rejected him. What do you want Jesus to do for you? What do you need Jesus to do for you? Where do you need a champion to show up in your life? Because here's what I know. When we express faith, even a little bit of faith to Jesus, he always responds. He always responds and he will respond to you. So as the worship team just plays over us, would you take a moment and fill out that card? And then we'll finish up our service in just a few moments.